Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe. What's up, Gym Lords? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. My name is Bri. I will be your host today, and I'm here with Joe and Gabe from Focus NYC in New York. What's up, guys? How you doing today? How you doing, Brianna? Doing well. Doing Thank well. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today. We're excited to have you. Sure. Thanks for having us. We're excited to, to talk a little bit today as well. Awesome. All righty. So let's just jump right into the details here. So you guys are partners within this business. So what is it that made you guys decide that you wanted to open your own fitness facility? Uh, I'll, I'll take the, the, the lead in this one. And uh, Brianna, we were speaking before uh, for a few minutes about how this kind of all came to be. But um, education was really the thing that brought Gabe and I together. We were independent trainers way back in the day in, in New York City, and we, we met working at a small independent training company, a small boutique training company. Um, one of the things that we found early on was that we had a passion for education, a passion for learning. As we all know in this industry, this industry is kind of all over the place. It's like the wild, wild west. No regulation, no licensure. So some people go out and just train people. Some people have a certification. Some people have a four-year degree. And there's varying levels of, um, of uh, professionalism and actually a knowledge and practical knowledge as well. So when we first started off, um, we saw this big gap in the industry and we just wanted to learn more. We didn't come from a background of having a four-year degree in exercise science or, or formal training. So we just found that it was up to us to really fill in those gaps. Yes, we had a certification, but nobody actually ever showed us the right way to cue an exercise, the right way to spot an ex the right way to spot, the right way to assess, the right way to write a program. So um we, uh, we had a couple of clients of our own. We used to train people out in Central Park. We didn't have a facility. We didn't have, you know, a lot. Of, we didn't have financial backing, but a couple of guys training in Central Park and just education was our mission. And over time, um, as we started to accumulate uh, a larger clientele, um, we decided that we wanted to start teaching our, our trainers internally. We, so we became very systems oriented, oriented. There was one book that, that we read way back in the day and Gabe was the one that found this and I'll never forget, like it, it completely revamped the whole way that we think about, we thought about our business. It's called the E-Myth. I'm sure a lot of people have read that before, but E-Myth by Michael Gerber. I remember Gabe found this book and he's like, you gotta check this book out. And so I read it and I'm like, this is, this is amazing. And it really just shifted the way we thought about operating a company, even though it was just us and a few clients, it, it, it allowed us to start the framework of, of, of a systems-based approach to business. And once we started doing that, we started to implement internal systems for education, right? So we'd have, if we, if we wanted to start hiring trainers, what, what would that process look like? Um, how would we train them? How would we scale that? And, and so that, that's kind of where it all started. But education has always been the foundation of everything that, that we did. And um, as we started to gain more, more clients, we, uh, we still train people outdoors in the park. We started training people in their apartments in, in New York City, private building gyms. We had a few trainers underneath us and we just saved and saved over time. And we, we just knew that, um, you know, eventually we were going to get our first studio. We ended up getting one in, in the heart of Manhattan on, um, on 61st Street and Madison Avenue. It was a little crappy fifth floor walk up apartment. It was a studio about 450 square feet that we converted to a gym. And um, this is always like, this is a, a good lesson for everybody as well, that <clears throat> even though we were a small business, had a few trainers, had a handful of clients, we saved, got this place. Clients that were, and now we're training very wealthy clients, people that live on Madison Avenue, Park Avenue, Upper West Side, right? These are like 
you know, the cream of the crop in Manhattan. And they would come to this small studio to see us, to work with us. They'd walk up the stairs. It was a little room with some weights and they would still come there. So people sometimes psych themselves out and think they need funding in this big space. They don't. They don't. We built our entire business from that little space into a seven-figure company in this little tiny room and still training people out in the park and still training in an apartment. And we were just scrappy. And that's that's kind of the way this all kind of came to be. But um, And then from there, you know, we grew and now we're in our, our facility on West 27th Street, Manhattan. But to get back to the point of the question, education has always been the bedrock of everything we do from the personal training company to the vocational school that we operate as well. We can talk more about that later. But that is the common thread that brought us, brought us together. And it's been the secret to our success ever since. Gabe, you want to fill any yeah. gaps in on that one? <laughs> no, I think that was, that was fantastic. And I think it was... You know, education for us too, I think it was just, it was a reaction and this compulsion to the state of the industry. You know, at the time, it's like the late nineties, you know, unlicensed, unregulated fitness industry is even more so back then. And I remember as a younger trainer, just, just not knowing where to go to learn something and, need, and feeling like I needed to know like as much as I possibly could as we were getting busier and busier, you know, and that's what really led us to kind of start going on that path. And we were, I mean, we were really into every seminar, every conference, traveling all over the country, um, scooping up, you know, as many certifications as we could. You know, we went through that period where, you know, we just tried to get credentials and experience, but we were training the whole time, you know? So I think that it was, you know, there was, it was the right time, you know, for us, we had, I think we both came into the industry too as outsiders, which given the state and the structure of the industry, there was opportunity there for us. There weren't these road, you know, roadblocks in place and barriers to entry where you had to have a graduate degree or experience or internships or other prerequisites. You know, if you had, I think the, the integrity and the work ethic and the, the will to succeed, there was a lot of opportunity. And we kind of went with that. We were just aligned, I think too, in, in work ethic, you know, Joe and I, we would crank out, you know, eight or nine sessions a day while learning all the aspects of a business, you know, and that's where, you know, the books on your library start to change from exercise science to marketing, branding, advertising, financial operations. And, and we can talk about that as well and how important it is to not be afraid of those aspects of a business because it's a lifeblood of a business. Um, but uh, it's, it's amazing too, how in this, you know, 20 some years later, we still see, especially students that come to the school, like they don't know how to get in this industry. You know, and, you know, they think, do I get certified? Should I get certified? Should I go to school and spend all this time and money and get a degree? Should I just go out there and start training and learn in the trenches? And there's, again, like pros and cons to every one of those directions. Yeah. Um, but I think Joe and I, we still see as much opportunity now, if not more, especially after COVID. I think definitely more types of opportunity than um, it was when we started. You know, and it all stems from, I think, education being, you know, knowledge and that's, that's power and freedom in this industry. And not only, yeah. not only education, just that one thing is it's hands-on education, hands-on training. And that's something that we never really had when we first started. And like Gabe mentioned, we started traveling around to find these hands-on seminars because that's the right way to learn, right? Doing it, learning it, and doing it, learning it, and doing it. And that's how we became better. And then our trainers started to do the same thing. And, and that's how the company grew. Right. Absolutely. So, I mean, you started with the, the gap in the industry being the educational piece. I mean, there are, there are certainly a lot of, a lot of gaps in the industry, especially with that. And I love that you guys have the, um, the, the hands-on training, which again, we can get into a little bit yeah. later, uh, but going back to how you guys started. So I think that this is something that's really overlooked by people that are getting into the industry as far as starting really small, you know, you started in the park, 
and then yeah. you grew to being able to open a small little studio. And I think that a lot of people that want to get into the industry, there's a couple of layers to this, but um, they want to have the shiniest equipment in the nicest facility. And they just don't think about the business side of things, which you brought up a little bit. And it is at the end of the day, a business. People typically get into the fitness industry because they love fitness. And again, there are, it's, it is very unregulated as far as who can do what. I mean, anybody can essentially open a gym. Uh, so I think that people miss the, the business side of things. And a lot of times get in over their head initially. And then that's why they end up failing because they take on too much too fast. And they don't realize that there's so much more to it as far as the business side goes, you know, um, the marketing, making sure that you're paying attention to your numbers, the staffing, there's just so much that goes into it. And I think that that gets overlooked very often, um, along with the educational side and making sure that you've got the right knowledge and that you're able to apply it as well. So yeah. a lot of a lot of gaps there that you guys were on top of making sure that you covered along the way. And I'm sure that that's had a huge impact on the um, the amount of growth that you've experienced over the years. Yeah. And we didn't like plan that we didn't plan on like scrounging to start a business right it just right. kind of happened because that's all we had and our first studio wasn't even a commercial lease it was an apartment that we shouldn't even had a you know we just did it we just we didn't care right like we just we set up a studio apartment as a gym and and it just it just it just did it and because that's that's the option that we had at the time exactly so, yeah. and I, I think too there's there's an evolution and a hierarchy to to our careers and probably most people's careers and i think mm -hmm. starting out like we were focused on training like we didn't go in with three months or a year of experience and training and then say, let's go learn AdWords. It was really yeah. about the craft has to be solid. I think before right. you can start to branch out and you have to have that foundation in place. Exactly. And there's no substitute for experience. Those five to, to eight sessions a day, you know, up at 4.30 in the morning, home at nine, you know, as our timing in life too was insane. This is before, you know, families and kids and, and yeah. all of that. Um, but that's a really important piece that I think people want to overlook is mm -hmm. that you get good at something by doing it a lot and learning yes. from every mistake. And hopefully those are recoverable mistakes. Um, and you pick yourself back up and you keep putting one foot in front of the other. And then when we got to the point where, you know, we've been training, you know, probably around seven years or so in that range, I would say we're busy, you know, very busy. You know, at that, at that point, we had started to build a bit of a financial foundation. We had opened the studio, but we started small, you know, and cautiously, but we, the education was the way forward for us because mm -hmm. your knowledge base is your ability to train anyone, anywhere, in any type of training environment, any type of condition. You choose the clients you want. Not you're not limited by the the type of clients that you know how to work with. You know, so it puts you in the driver's seat. And um, I still think that holds true to this day. But you know, it was a crawl, walk, run kind of mm -hmm. you know, process for us. And we we went methodically and slowly as ambitious guys who were pretty, you know, as Joe said before, scrappy about not, not, you know, we, we took chances, I think smart, you know, very balanced chances, which you have mm -hmm. to do. Right. We had some luck on our side too. Um, and then just a ton of hard work. And I think just integrity behind what we did and care and, and passion and purpose behind what we did. Because, you know, the education piece is great. You know, at some point the clients just want to make sure they're getting a good service and you're being safe and you're getting them results. But like for us as trainers, it kept, it, it recharged us, right? We'd go to a seminar, we learned something, we all pumped up, we came back and we we'd have our training staff and we do education and they'd be all, they'd be excited about it. So it's kind of like 
from a professional side, that's the stuff that kept everybody like, and it still does, keeps everybody excited and fresh and we don't get stale. And, and that ultimately results in a better session for the client because the trainer is more engaged, right? And, and um, so it's kind of like this kind of self-perpetuating thing, but education Absolutely. in any form, is, 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 it's good for everybody. Right. Yeah. I mean, you guys started the right way. You built the foundation. You can't build a house on sand. So, you know, I think that sometimes that's the piece that really gets overlooked. Everybody kind of wants to just dive right in and get to it and, you know, get to the point where they're taking on as many clients as they possibly can. Um, But it gets to a point where it gets overwhelming. And if you don't have that proper foundation, then it just collapses. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so as far as your business model goes, let's talk about that a little bit because you have an interesting business model, a couple of different things that happen within your facility. So how do you structure that? Structure the, the, uh, the education side and the training side? Right. Yeah. So you've got your personal training clients and then you also have the educational piece there. So how is that structured? So the, the school is a separate S corp. Uh, we're okay. both, we have two S corps. And the, uh, they're basically two separate teams, but some, but some of the teams overlap depending on what, what the need is. As an example, like the school has a separate team of administrators, financial aid, academic advisors. We have our faculty and our staff. And there's sometimes um, some overlap where our personal training staff, in terms of their promotion, they're able to go to the school and teach because they've had a certain number of years of experience and education under their belt. So it's a nice career progression for them. <clears throat> but as entities, they're, they're basically um, same brand, right? Same mm-hmm. principles, same values, but they operate in kind, of, in kind of separate spaces within our facility and um, operationally as well. They have separate staff that operate it. Okay. All right. Yeah. So I was, I was going to ask you about that as far as the people who are training the clients and then the people who are coaching within the program. So somewhat separate, but somewhat overlap or could overlap because it provides growth within your company for your trainers. Exactly. Usually trainers do a certain amount of time with the training company. And then when they feel like they've reached a certain amount of growth professionally in terms of education and and client experience, then if they're interested, we don't just push them over there. They have to want it. They have to interview for it. Then we can migrate them over to our, our, our faculty side. And usually gotcha. at, that, okay. at that point, they, they start to release some of their clientele because teaching is a whole thing in and of itself. It's, Absolutely. It's, it's a commitment. They're full-time instructors usually. Um, but it's good for them, right? Because it's, it's growth. It's like a ladder. And it's something that you really don't find in this industry where normally for a trainer, it's just training, which is great. Like some people, that's, that's the career path and make great money. It's, it's a good thing to do. But for those that have that extra hunger for something a little bit different and they feel like they can teach and they want to give back, that's a nice thing for them as well. Yeah, absolutely. Because at, at some point within the industry, if you're a trainer, you kind of cap out, you know, like you can take on more clients, you can do more. Typically, the next step is to open your own facility. Yeah. But with your situation, you have the opportunity for them to progress within the company, which is great. Absolutely. Uh, so as far as your marketing goes, so we touched on marketing a little bit before, but I want to expand on it. Sure. Um, so how are you going about marketing? Do you do paid advertising? Are we more organic, word of mouth? How, how does that work? We do it all. We do it all, <laughs> we do, we do it all right? <laughs> We, yeah, we started out very brand, I think, yeah. sensitive, <laughs> you know, building, getting our first logos, our first business cards, looking at any sort of marketing asset and client collateral that we were handing out was really important for us. And I think any company, you need that, you need that branding piece in place. Um, 
the marketing sort of environments changed over the you know, last few decades a lot. You know, when we were starting out, social media was in, in its infancy. The internet was in its right. you know, infancy. And now that's a major, you know, pathway of communication for pretty much everyone. Um, but I think, you know, and I've seen people, you know, be successful in a lot of different ways. I, you know, just on just referrals alone, you know, via professional networks in the medical and clinical community, mm -hmm. um, paid advertising, paid social, um, a lot of that, you know, it's organic and paid, you know, search, I think is still, it, it's very hard to grow without knowing that and how to sort of navigate that, yes. uh, this day and age. So, um, but starting off, year, yeah, it's a good game. Sorry, go. No, and, and this is, I'm not talking about a franchise or corporate expansion yeah. type model, which we know we're a, kind of an independent entity. So it's a, it's a bit mm -hmm. different where we had to come with everything, you know, on our own for ourselves. Right. And, and starting off to, to Gabe's point, you don't have a marketing budget. You can't spend $300,000 a year on advertising for clients, exactly. right? So, <laughs> so it's, it, it has to be about the quality of your service. It has to be about your retention, right? Getting a client's hard, retaining them is even more difficult. So if you're good at retention and you're good at, at getting them re results, it's going to be word of mouth. There's no better mark. There's no more, more powerful thing than word of mouth. I don't care how much you spend on marketing and commercials and advertising. Word of mouth is the most powerful thing. Social proof. Hermosi, right? Obviously like testimonials, like that is the most powerful thing, period. And it's true, right? It's true. Absolutely. So when you don't have an advertising budget, that is all you have, right? And social media, when we started, there wasn't a really social media, right? So this is now that you have that leverage of, of social media and kind of getting the word out there. But when you start, you start small, you got to have good word of mouth from your clients and also think about the medical community because so many trainers do not tap into the medical community. And that's something that we did early on. We found the medical exercise specialist certification, which is a fantastic thing, certification because it, it teaches you how to deal with clients who are injured. And most trainers don't understand how to deal with clients who are injured. I didn't when I first started. I just gave right. someone a lightweight and hope I didn't hurt them. That was my yeah. <laughs> wrong, right? Because I wasn't taught properly. But once you can lock into that, because most of the clients you're going to see as a company or as an individual are going to be hurt when they come to you. 90% of our clients are banged up when they come to us. Mm -hmm. So having at least a frame of reference on how to approach that, we're not teaching people to become doctors, but just understand, think critically, understand the joints and, and the anatomy, but then be able to have the, pick up the phone and have a conversation with that PT that they work with or the orthopedic mm -hmm. surgeon they work with, because that opens up a whole new line of communication. And trainers don't often do that because they're afraid. They don't know their science or they don't at a basic level. But right. if you can just harness that and get the basics down, pick up the phone and talk about flexion, extension, planes of motion with that physical therapist, this PT may be like, wow, you know what? This trainer is pretty good. Hey, I got, mm -hmm. some more, I got some more clients I want you to see. Absolutely. Now that one person can completely transform your entire business. Yes. We had one doctor um, for years that we work with and uh, she was great. And she just believed so much in the way they gave an eye approach training and she referred, I can't even tell you how many clients to us. And it changed our business. One doctor, right. one mm -hmm. doctor. So when a doctor, a physical therapist says, hey, go see Joan Gabe or go see Focus or go see Bill Smith, whoever it is, the client or the patient is going to go see them because their doctor told them to go see you, right? right? So having no marketing budget, you have to look at alternate avenues like medical professionals, word of mouth. And that's, it's a great way to do it. You can just do it off of, of, of a few doctors that trust you. That's it. Right. Absolutely. And it, and go, oh, ahead, go ahead, I'm sorry. Nope, go ahead. I was going to say, even on the branding side, I think it's very hard to be competitive, especially in a city like New York, without a logo, mm -hmm. without a website. You yeah. know, if you're having an AOL email account or a Yahoo email account, like those things are so, you know, they're, they're not expensive to do, you mm -hmm. know, and 
anyone is where there's a will, there's a way on that. And I think it depends on your goals too. I mean, there's, there's a whole army of, of especially independent trainers out there, even trainers in bigger clubs that have gotten really good positions. They've built up a clientele that is stable. Um, it works in their schedule they've got a work-life balance. They're, they're in a financial place where they're, everything is where they need it. And there's something that's, that's very, very hard to do. We all know that the numbers and nutrition rates of, of trainers that don't last in this industry more than a couple of years, especially if they go the big you know, gym route. Um, but if your ambitions are to then go beyond that and you do want to start to scale into business, it, you really have to be wired to do that because your whole day all of a sudden is about a lot of things that have nothing to do with fitness and clients and the things that got you into the, the industry to begin with. So it's really about kind of your DNA, I think, to a regard to a certain extent. And that's Absolutely. the one point too, that, that new, that trainers, when they get to the point where Gabe and I were, and Gabe mentioned, you know, five to eight plus sessions a day, but that was like, we were traveling to clients too. So it's not just like we were in one place doing five day sessions. We were traveling all over the place. I had clients in New Jersey that I, I drive in, in the middle afternoon and back <laughs> for, right. It was just, we just did whatever we had to do. Right. But when you're at that point where you're making this amazing income as a trainer, right. You have great, you have great clients, you make a good income, but you want to take the business further. You have to make a choice. Like we mm -hmm. physically couldn't run, grow a business training as much as we could. And we love training and we love the money of training, right? You've got to take a step back. And it, yeah. it was a hit financially for us when we did that. But we believed that it was, you know, to really do this, we had to take. So it was like, you know, whenever you break up with your clients, it's, it's, it's horrible, right? Like they, they trust you and you've been with them for years. And you have, we had to go through that with all of our clients and over the years, we would scale back, scale back, scale back, because for the first six years or seven years of our business, we were just training a ton. And like the business wasn't getting as, you know, we were growing, but it wasn't getting as, as much attention. Finally, we just made the leap and we, we just did it. And like Gabe said, then your hat switches. It's like, we, we mm -hmm. had to go more on the business side because now we have a team and now we have marketing and like, you, you, you can't be the best trainer all. possible yeah. and like the best business owner, you know, that, we, that, that, that you can be. So we had to kind of make a choice while we're, our foot is still in training we have a big company now that will be companies that we have to really spend time on and learn all these skill sets. That's what's fun. It's challenging because we did every, mm -hmm. we did the training thing. Now we're, this is the next part of our growth. Definitely. Yeah. And I mean, I think it all goes back to that knowledge piece, right. In a couple of different ways. So making sure that you have the knowledge to be able to reach out to some of those PTs and have that conversation to build a referral base, which ends up, getting you to the point where you maybe can have an advertising budget. And then when you get into the advertising piece, the paid advertising piece, that's a whole other level of education, you yep. know, and that's something that's constantly changing. And that's something that you constantly have to pay attention to making sure that your copy is on point, making sure that your targeting is correct. Um, I mean, even if you're, if you're advertising on Facebook, for example, making sure that you're up to date on how the algorithm is working and how it's targeting different people and how people are seeing your ads. And there's just so much to it. And like you said before, when you're, on the floor so many gym owners are are in the business too much to be able to focus on the actual business and i think that that's one of the hardest things to kind of grasp as a gym owner is that you have to step back and pull yourself off of the floor to yep. be able to see things from the business point of view. And I think that even for myself, when I was in my facility, stepping off the floor and letting go of that control was one of the hardest things for me, because yeah, yeah. everything that you do within your facility 
comes back to you. You know, it's a direct reflection of you. So letting go of some of that control and putting it in other people's hands is really hard to do because nobody's going to provide a better level of service than yeah. you. You know, nobody loves your business more than you do. So it's really hard to let go of that control and, you know, take off some of those hats and give them to other people to allow you to focus on the next thing. But that's necessary for growth. It's critical Absolutely. for growth. And, and, and that's, and we mentioned it before, but read, that's why when we read E-Myth and it was just framed like a systems approach to like growing a business, we're like, oh, of course, right? Everybody should read that book. Cause I mm -hmm. guarantee you get, you'll get one thing out of that book. It'll, it, it'll, it'll help. Right. And, it, and it's the only way to grow and coming back to um, the marketing side of things. And this is something mm -hmm. that I think everybody should, should know if they're thinking about getting into paid search Paid search is a very dangerous place to be. Like it's 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 extremely powerful, but it's also mm -hmm. dangerous at the same time. We started with Google, I think, in around like 2006, right? So it wasn't as much competition on there. And but one of the things that we kind of got lucky with is we learned how to run Google, right? We learned how to run our own PPC campaigns. We learned the platform, and then when Facebook came, we learned the platform. Now we have companies that manage it for us with mm -hmm. our input. But you have to learn that stuff, right? Yes. Because we've been through three or four different companies so far that we've seen how they operate, where if you're not Coca-Cola, they're going to put someone new on your account, right? Mm -hmm. And because if you don't know how the platforms work, you're going to get service that could blow out your whole budget and mm -hmm. it could destroy your business, right? It's really dangerous where they're advertising. Absolutely. We had our campaign set to where they're advertising nationwide and we're only New York and you have to be able to to, to understand those things thing. because Absolutely. they don't, they're not going to tell you they put no. it on autopilot and they leave or people were typing in keywords like um, fitness DVDs or, you know, personal trainer, Michigan. And like we were popping up. No, you have to add the negative keywords there. So if anyone's thinking about looking at PPC or, or, or Facebook um, the platform, just learn the basics because then you have the ability. Yes, you can dish it off to somebody else, but you have to know how to objectively look at what's going on. Just like if you're managing a business, like, be familiar with what's going on. You don't have to be mm -hmm. the expert so you can point out any problems and make sure things are going in the right direction. Absolutely. I think that's one of the most valuable things within the business is knowing how to fish essentially, you know, because yeah. that's what feeds your business. So if you don't know, even like you said, even just the basics of how that marketing works, then I mean, it's, it's easy to get screwed essentially, you know, because a lot of companies out there, a lot of marketing companies provide X amount of leads or promise to provide X amount of leads. And it's like, okay, great. Like you said, you're in New York. If they're targeting the entire country, of course, you're going to get a million leads. But yeah. does that mean that they're going to be the right leads for you? Yeah. Right. No. Or if they're, so, yeah, are they quality leads, right? And how exactly. are you tracking the leads? One of the things that we're really big on is tracking, right? Mm -hmm. We have we have a uh, lead management system that we use, it's, which is great. We have, everything is tagged, everything is tracked. We have Google Analytics it's to the best that we can. I know a lot of the, the, the tracking is changing, but you need to understand if you're putting dollars into something, you wanna be as, 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 as best you can to track, is that returning? Um, what are your landing pages like? Are you split testing, right? Split mm -hmm. testing is a very easy thing. And if you're putting all, all this money into these PPC campaigns, are you testing your landing pages, right? Something as simple as a headline could Broken. make a complete difference. We just updated our you know, pages recently and we just saw a dramatic increase in, in our conversion rates, right? Just from right. one small change. And that's, mm -hmm. you've got to keep doing that.
Yeah. I mean, even testing the landing pages, like you said, sometimes it just takes one broken link to lose, you know, $10,000. Yes. So. That's happened. That's happened to us. And, yeah. and we weren't checking. And now we have a digital re reconciliation that we have to do every few weeks to make sure that all of our links and our buttons and our forms are working properly, because that could be a very expensive mistake if you're not checking up on that stuff. So there's a lot of yeah. things you got to do. Right. And that's why it comes back to systems and organization and having a checklist and, and just because you can't scale without that stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, and I think that that's something that kind of throws people off with the whole paid advertising game. I mean, there's a lot of people that I talk to, a lot of gym owners that I've spoken to even this week who are just a hundred percent gung ho on organic marketing and referrals and word of mouth, which again is great. And it's a great way to build a foundation for your business, but eventually that kind of caps out, you know, and especially if typically that's not bringing in a large number of leads per month. Usually it's on the smaller side. And, you know, obviously you lose a couple people here and there every month, you know, they move, they get a new job, you know, whatever it is, even if your retention is great, you're still going to be losing a couple of people every month. So if you're only bringing in, you know, five and you're losing three, then how fast are you really going to grow? And yeah. I think that um, people don't realize how much that that limits the growth of the business if they're not getting into the the paid advertising game. And, you know, I think it, it just gets overwhelming. So they just kind of stick to what they know because um, you don't know what you don't know, but yeah. it limits the growth of the business. True. So Ma maximizing the free platforms, Google, Re Google, local, mm -hmm. you, uh, Facebook, right? Like again, just maximize the free stuff first, because even as you grow and you start to invest in, in, in paid search, those organic ask things are still working right in the background. Then you're going to get mm -hmm. some clients from them. You're going to get leads from them. So word of mouth, you know, visit doctors, you have your Google local, you have your, you know, your, your Facebook page, like all that stuff kind of like adds up and, and, and works together. Absolutely. And I think too, to, to Joe's point, you also have to embrace technology. And a lot of people that throw their hands up in the air and say, I don't, I'm not good at computers. I don't get, you know, these platforms, it's too complex. That's why, you know, you know, you look at the failure rates of these companies, you know, small businesses in general, you know, it's astronomical. And you've got to think as a business owner, you've got to be a good problem solver and you've got to, mm -hmm. you have to seek solutions for stuff. Half the time when, when people come to Joe and myself with a problem, we don't know the answer. You know, we just go find it and right. we look it up and, or we, you know, it's a process, but that, that chip in your brain has to be there. Because to get into this world, you know, you're stepping away from what you do in the training floor. You're stepping away mm -hmm. from program design and coaching and motivating, inspiring and helping all your clients, which is very comfortable territory for most trainers. And stepping Absolutely. out of that can be really scary and very foreign feeling. But mm -hmm. it really, again, it depends on what do you want for your life? What do you want for your career? How do you want to spend your day? You know, if you want to have a big facility, you know, do you understand the moving parts that are going to go into the the rent, the taxes, the upkeep, the maintenance, you know, all right. of the, the moving parts that also go along with those things. And, and are you equipped to and you have the tools to, to make that run efficiently? For sure. And I think that um, a lot of times there are belief systems in place that hold gym owners back. And one of the 100%. things that I really loved about getting into the consulting field was breaking those belief systems, you know, because I think that's the number one thing that really holds people back, not only in the fitness industry, in any business, in life in general, you know, it's like you have these belief systems that are just kind of built in 
and those things tend to hold you back, whether it's, you know, how much you can charge for a membership or um, what you're capable of, what the business is capable of, what your level of growth looks like, you know, people just get in their own way and they just don't try because they already have these ideas based 100%. on, you know, whatever belief system it is that they have. And they're kind of afraid to step out of that comfort zone and get to that next level. And those so, fears are usually wrong, right? They're usually wrong. They're, yeah. they're preconceived things that are, they're made up in their head and it's, and it just keeps and holds them back. And nine times out of 10, it's completely false. Right. I would say 10 times out of 10, usually yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm afraid <laughs> to do something or I'm nervous about doing something. And I just tell myself, I don't negotiate with myself and I just do it. And like, why did I think that? And afterwards, I'm like, I'm so glad I did that. Or I, we tried that. Or, you know, then you, you learn too. You're not going to do everything right. We've exactly. made so many mistakes. This mm -hmm. is a, this isn't, this hasn't been like, you know, fun all the way. Right. It's been no. really volatile. Right. It's fun because it's crazy, but like we've had some pretty dark days, you know, in the yeah. financial crisis in 2000, was it 2007? Our phone didn't ring, right? Like was it 2008? The phone didn't ring for like a month. Like we were calling right. our, our phone to be like, is this thing working? Like, is it, what's going on here? Cause it was just silent, right? It was completely silent. And you know, things like that, that we had to recover from COVID, right? COVID was madness. Right. <laughs> yeah. Especially points. in New York. <laughs> and it still is. It's New York's yeah. not where it needs to be. But, right. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Getting out of those comfort zones and, um, you know, tackling those things that you don't think you're capable of. That's what builds confidence. And, yeah. you know, eventually those things don't seem so big anymore after you've conquered a few of those things that you were afraid of. So um, as far as growth goes for you guys, you're obviously killing it right now. Uh, what's the next step for you guys? What are you looking to do over the next few years or so? Where are you trying to what's the next level for you guys? On the personal training side, we've got Manhattan pretty much nailed down and COVID set everybody back. I think we, COVID did, did a couple things, right? One, it, it, it kind of shortened the virtual communication, the video communication thing by about 10 years, right? So accelerated our industry in terms of how we communicate and, and the ability to leverage technology to grow. Um, but for personal training, obviously we want to ex uh, expand this market. We want to look to others. We're looking at Boston right now as our next market that we're going to, we're going to uh, um, expand the current service that we offer and um, sky's the limit with that, right? We want to step into one market proof of concept outside of New York. And then from there, we can grow further. And uh, on the school side, uh, we have, um, we've had this facility here, but now we've got a lot of interest in terms of trainers that want to learn here and come here. But we also have a digital offering now that's been fantastic and students have absolutely loved it. Um, so it kind of removes all the geographic limitations of operating um, a state licensed school. Now we can train people if they're in California or if they're in, if they're in Europe, right? It doesn't matter where they are, they can still take our programs. And we talked briefly about this before, but the, the, the exciting thing about that is on the education side, it's not just an online program where you watch some videos and you study by yourself. When you attend a program with us online, we're live, we're watching you, we're lecturing to you. You can ask us questions. If you're learning about assessment, you can physically ask your teacher, other students in the class. And when it come comes time to do the practical component, we, we, we have um, multiple instructors. We're watching you on camera, right? So if you're doing something, we're watching you coach or giving you real-time feedback. And that's a game changer in this industry and something that's been needed for a very long time because most of the trainers out there just get the certification, study by themselves and are expected to know all this stuff without ever having an experienced instructor or trainer like give them feedback Exactly. Doing. So um, we're excited. We're excited. There's a lot to do. So we have to kind of pick and choose, you know, 
two, two or three things that we're going to work on. But the digital side is really exciting for us in, in, many, um, in many different aspects. Definitely. Yeah, it's an entire untapped platform for you guys. So yeah, I yeah, mean, right. a whole other level of growth within the near future. Yep. So, all right. So I always like to kind of wrap up with if you could provide one piece of advice for somebody who is looking to get into the fitness industry. Uh, I think I know what your tip is going to be, but uh, or looking to open a gym. What would that be? Let me go first. Where to start? Um, the one piece of advice, I, I think just don't be afraid for the generals that sound like that was it didn't occur to us that we would fall on our face or fail. And it wasn't arrogance. It was, and it wasn't this, this over this sense of overconfidence. It was just, you know, we just, why not us? You know, why not us? You know, and we just, I mean, I remember selling students on the school when it was in our, on our 61st street studio apartment, we had a, we had a blueprint on a piece of paper that was 11 and a half, you know, by, by eight inches or whatever. And we would show in a blueprint of something that didn't even exist. Yeah. you know for a six-month program and half the people look at us like we're absolutely insane like you want me to go to school for six months based on a piece of paper that you're holding in your hand on a place that we're not even sitting in and we're like uh-huh absolutely and we and we just one foot in front of the other so I think that lack of fear um was huge for us um and the only thing I'd add on is expect to make mistakes you're going to it's part of the process if you're not making mistakes you're not doing the right thing you're not feeling uncomfortable and a little nauseous sometimes if you're doing something really big that's new, you're not out of your zone enough. Definitely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Now, obviously, I would say what I said before, you know, just, you know, start, just start with what you got, right? Don't, don't put your house on the line and everything else when you're first starting because you just need to work out the kinks and you need to make it, you need to be scrappy. And mm -hmm. if you get some momentum, then you can look at funding and, and doing it that way. Um, but also if you can find someone that's, further ahead than you. I'm not talking about someone that owns a hundred gyms, right? Just someone that's a few steps ahead of you that can offer you some advice. That's huge, right? We made so many mistakes. We didn't have anybody like that, right? And, and now if someone asks us questions, like we, you know, we mentor people that we've, we've known, maybe they've worked here in the past and they moved to other places and started their own business. You know, we try to help them, but they, it goes a long way for them. So if you can just find someone that's a few steps ahead of where you are, can offer you some advice or just an objective opinion on a decision that you're about to make, that could be important. It could, it could change everything. So that's, that's very, I think it's important. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that that's, that's another thing that's kind of overlooked is mentorship, you know, learning from somebody else's mistakes rather than, you know, they say education costs money. It's true. You know, you make some expensive mistakes along the way. And if you can avoid some of those by learning from someone else who's been there, you know, maybe just a few steps ahead of you, that's very valuable. And they should work and you should try to probably work in a gym or work for a business before you go and start your own thing, it really helps because you're getting a free education Absolutely. Even for a year just to learn the business. And you see a lot of clients and you see how things work. You see things you like and don't like. And that was one of the things that Gabe and I were really keen on when we first started is like we worked at other places and we worked for ourselves. And we took the things that we didn't like about the other places and we did it here. Like even in our, in our employee lounge, I remember when I worked at the big gym way back when, it was like a concrete room with some folding chairs. That was the lounge. And it was awful, right? And our trainers, they work hard. So when we built this facility, it's got a flat screen TV. It's got sofas. It's got, we bought sleep pods from the UK, oh right? They ship sleep pods here. So they have, That's they're amazing. all tricked out with like fans and like it, and lights. And it's like, 
that so if you want to take a nap you take a nap in the sleep pod so just little things like that that you know we wouldn't have recognized that unless we were at other places that didn't have those things Absolutely. Um, so spend time doing that if you can before you actually start your own your own thing definitely yeah learning what not to do is just as important if not more important than learning what to do so yep. that experience in other facilities definitely goes a long way as yep. well Alrighty, so as we start to wrap up here, where can the listeners find you on social media? On uh, Instagram, they can look at uh, FPTI Strong. That is our, our school. Uh, we're more active on that side. And then uh, at Focus NYC for Instagram for the, uh, the personal training company. And uh, for web websites, it's focusnyc.com. And for the school, it's FPTI, like Focus Personal Training Institute.edu. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. We've really enjoyed having you on the show. Thanks, Brianna. It's great. Thanks. Thanks it's a pleasure. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Alrighty. And to all the listeners out there, make sure that you subscribe so that you will be updated on future episodes of the show. In the meantime, make sure you keep killing it out there and we will catch you on the flip side. Jim Lords out. Thank you for listening to this interview, but don't go anywhere. We still have two more incredible interviews coming right up inside this episode. But if you're a gym owner that's looking to get more clients, keep them longer, and make more money, head to the link in the description of this podcast and schedule a free leave your credit card at home consultation with one of our business consultants. You see, here at Gym Launch, we've helped over 4,000 gym owners across the world increase their sales, take home more money, and build the business of their dreams. And it simply starts with a phone call. Click on the link in the description of this podcast to schedule your call today. Now, let's head into the next interview. Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast. We talk to fitness pros who are in the trenches doing work, changing lives in their area. I'm your host, Dominic Tan. I'm here with my guest, Executive Director of the YMCA in downtown Belleville, Illinois at Kern Center. Mr. Lennox Forrester, how are you doing today? Doing well, doing well. And, uh, you know, appreciate and, and it's an honor to be on with you today. Thank you, sir. It's an honor to have you. I'm excited to hear all about you what you're doing in the organization and specifically at your branch. So let's jump into it. Tell us about the downtown Belleville Kern Center YMCA, what you're doing down there in the community, what your gym is all about, the facility. Give us the scoop. Awesome. Well, you know, we're um, obviously located in uh, the, the central um, of Belleville, which is, which is really great because we're our location and what we serve is, you know, is very diverse um, you know, to the, to the population of, of uh, Belleville and also our neighboring community. You know, we're, uh, we're, we're a YMCA uh, that's associated with the Gateway Region YMCA, which is one of 24 uh, branches um, in, our, in our association. And, um, you know, a lot of people think that the uh, YMCA is all about, you know, just gym and swim, but we're more than that. You know, our, our mission and our goal is obviously to service our community um, in, a, in a way to provide healthy services um, to our community for people that wants to um, live a healthy life, you know, and, it, and the, the healthy life comes from, you know, working out, uh, the healthy part of it, you know, comes from the, the social aspect of it as well too. You know, a lot of times people think that, you know, when you, when you have a, a, a facility like the Y, it's all about getting in there, getting, get going to the pool or, or, you know, playing basketball or lifting weights or, or on the elliptical, but it's more than that. Cause we, we provide an environment, 
you know, for anyone, um, even the, our, some of our elders, you know, they come in just to socialize with, with, you know, friends, you know, so it's a, it's a very, you know, family uh, style atmosphere and environment to where we're very proud of, of what we do here at the, at the, you know, Gateway Region YMCA. Sounds like a lot, a lot to be proud of there, sir. And uh, we'll, we'll even get into it a little bit more as we go. Uh, before we go into, into the, the present, let's talk a little bit about the past. What is your, your background as far as it's relevant and what led you up to being, you know, in the organization for the past four years, being uh, executive director of the branch? Uh, how did you get involved and uh, what, what led you there? Well, you know, at, at one time, uh, and I know it was a long, long time ago, I was an athlete at one time, right, playing, playing college basketball. And um, I had end up ending my career uh, with, with some uh, leg injuries to where it was going to take years to recovery from. And I remember um, having a conversation with my, my mom and, um, you know, I, I talked to her about, you know, giving up the game of basketball. And she said, that's fine. But one of the one of the things that she wanted for me to do was be more involved, you know, give back, you know, to the community. Um, and, you know, the coach that I was playing for at the time connected me with uh, executive director uh, over in Evansville, Indiana, where I was was uh, attending school. And um, and, you know, from that led on to me being a, um, a mentor to uh, programs in there, me. Um, heading over and doing, being a referee or, or, you know, just talking to kids. And, and I love that, you know, so from then on, you know, for about over 25 years, I've always kind of volunteer at the Y to where when I transition out of coaching basketball, one of the first thing I said is, you know what, I want to work for the Y just because of how it made me feel as a volunteer, knowing that I was giving back, knowing, knowing that I was, you know, there to, to help people and giving back to the community and helping our community get stronger. So right after I got, you know, transitioned out of coaching basketball, I got right into the Y and it's been, you know, almost four years now and I love every minute of it. Awesome. Awesome. So you came on, um, did you, did you get uh, into the organization, you know, the four years ago, uh, hired right on as executive director. Is that something that you worked your way into? What was the what was the path there? You know what? I, I was very fortunate enough to um, to where I, I got hired on as an executive director. And, and uh, you know, it's very similar to because um, I, I at one time I was a head coach at a at a division one institution coaching basketball. And it's very similar, you know, I mean, because there's a leadership piece to it. And there's also a a, a piece as far as, you know, wanting to make people around you uh, continue to better and strive for greatness, uh, but yet being, being able to um, influence lives, because I thought that's what, you know, coaching was all about. So it, it was kind of a, you know, a little bit of a transition, but kind of the same field a little bit to where, you know, it's all about helping people uh, get better. And, I, and that's one thing that the Y has created a platform for, for me to do now. Got it. Got it. Okay. So you came on uh, about four years ago. What do you feel like the major areas that you were able to impact were what, you know, with your skill set, bringing what you had to the, to the table, what were the big things that you wanted to bring in effect um, there at, at your location? And has that exactly 
uh, had a trajectory that went along with reality. I know COVID stepped in, so that's one thing, but uh, expectations versus reality of what you were bringing in. Well, you know, um, one of the one of the things that, um, and, and the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing now is, is the fact that, and like I said, the why creates a platform to be engaged and be involved in the community, right? So when we look at our, our branches in our, in our association, we look at how can we provide services to our community to help them get better and achieve their goals in different aspects, whether it's to lose weight, whether it's to gain weight, whether it's to feel good about themselves, you know, so that that was kind of my basic thing. And also, you know, associate, you know, one of the things that I've always said was, you know, the people that are working with you in your in your branches, in your department is help them to also achieve whatever goals that they want to achieve. You know, some wants to become executive director as well, someone to grow as being a leader to where they can go somewhere else and lead. So that's part of my job is to make sure that I'm providing them with all the necessary resource or, or um, knowledge, you know, for them to be able to do the same as well. Got it. Got it. Okay. So you came in, things are hopping along. You're making an impact. You're, uh, you know, working on the community aspect, working on developing your staff. And then, um, you know, COVID hit, how did that affect, uh, affect you as a location? Um, what things were you able to do, if any, to try to keep engagement with the community? What did it look like for you there at your branch? Well, you know, I mean, obviously every, um, uh, everything is all about, you know, uh, revenue and making money and all that, right? You know, so, I, and I know with, with the pandemic, it, it, um, it affects every part of what you're trying to do, but because of our focus, uh, uh, you know, because of our, the YMCA and, and the focus and the mission, you know, it's all about helping people, right? So during, during the pandemic, one of the things that struck me the most was our Y shut down, uh, our association shut down for three months. So we were able to, um, as exec and staff, we were able to make a lot of wellness calls and mostly to our elders. And, you know, uh, I remember several of, of the um, older members, elders, you know, what they said to me was, I asked them, I said, what's the difference between you know, when, when everything was hunky-dory compared to now with the with pandemic and, and the Y being shut down, they said, the only thing that really changed was the fact that I can't come to the Y. You know, they said, I can still do this, but I just can't come to the Y to associate with my, and, and socialize with, with my friends. And you know what, that struck me in a way to where, like I said before, you know, we're not just about the, the the swim and the gym and all that. We're more than that. We we help connect people in our community, and um, so with that being said, even though we didn't have where our Y was open, you know, to where members were coming in and getting their workout, but the fact is, you know, we were still able to um, to to make phone calls, and and they were able to appreciate the fact that we called and and uh, and check up on them. You know, so. So even though the pandemic really kind of kind of um, push sets us back in a lot of ways, but uh, but I feel like a lot of ways what we did was we figure out ways to connect uh, people in the community. One of the other things that I thought RY did, which just like like a lot of people, right, is we find ways 
to um, we were such in a in a in a in a world to where everything was this way, right? And then here comes the pandemic, and we have to be innovative. And and I thought that from a from a association standpoint, we became so much better. We start thinking outside the box. I mean, I've never known what Zoom was or 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 um, you know Skype or Meet, whatever all these. But now that's what we do a lot of meetings on, right? And we figured out how to do that. We figured out how to do classes virtually, you know, to where to where now we were still servicing the community, not a, not at the level that we were used to, but we were still providing services, you know, to our members in our in our community. Awesome. Awesome. So would you say that there are any adjustments, any skill sets, any um, any operational um, changes that you've made? because of the pandemic and the shutdown that you've carried over that are, are working out to be best practices. Now, I know you said that you're still doing meetings that way. Now, is there anything else that's really carried over strongly that's maybe another silver lining in the, in the cloud of COVID? Most certainly. And, um, you, you know, one of them is, is obviously to be more um, intentional as far as being engaged to our members, you know, um, to where, you know, to be to be honest with you, you know, we we are we strive ourselves on knowing members and build relationship with members, right? And um, and I think that's so important because of the mental health of where we are because of the pandemic. You know, so we've created um, different classes, or we've created a, a certain way how we talk to our members. You know, we we always want to address them by their name as they walk into our facility, right? And um, and I think because of of even with the with the shutdown, we were able to build some of those relationships, and we want to continue to carry those relationships. You know, as we as we open back up, you know, we also you know from from a from a cleansiness standpoint, right? You know, we 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 we're so intentional about keeping you know um, from the optic side of things, you know, to making sure that our machines are clean. You know, we have uh, different things in our facility. To, to ensure our members, you know, that, that, hey, it is safe to come back into our facility. So, you know, just from an optic standpoint, I think we've done a great job uh, during the pandemic and now coming out of the pandemic to where we, we got to continue that uh, from an operational standpoint. Fantastic. So lessons learned and applied, not just let's go back to the way things were before. Let's, let's take all the things that were good before, apply some of the things that we learned and try to come out of this whole thing better. Most certainly, most certainly. And I think, you know, obviously the pandemic was never uh, a good thing, you know, because a lot of lives were being lost. But I think it have, it have taught us, you know, just a lot of things and we cannot, you know, just go right back to how, you know, the living part of it was, right? We have to, we have to um, understand that, hey, you know, practicing doing things, doing things a little bit differently, Will, will certainly help us to become become better as a as an organization and, and also as a as a community and country. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, when the when the mission is front and center, um, it makes you real motivated to be innovative, motivated to be determined, and you know, take whatever steps you're going to figure it out because you believe in the mission. You're bought in. The conviction is high. Then from there, it's just a, just going to put the work in. Most certainly, most certainly. Excuse me. Um, so 
as executive director, you're tasked with, let's, let's put it bluntly, everything. Um, and, you know, from staffing to managing uh, department directors, different areas. Um, one of the, the big challenges for most people coming out of COVID is in getting back to a membership and attendance level that looks like what pre-COVID numbers looked like. How have you handled that? Has it been, um, you know, just do you leave that in the hands of your membership director? Are you working on initiatives together? And then how much comes from, um, you know, the YMCA at the highest level and then your region? What's that look like? Well, to be honest with you, um, a lot of it, you know, comes from our, our you know, top level and, and down, right? And, you know, so you have your association. They make a lot of the um, decisions as far as how, you know, you're going to track members back into your um, facilities. Now, with that being said, you know, we now understand our community way better than, than they do, right? Because every single branch has a different type of community to where they have to attract. So for us now at, at the branch level, we have to figure out, we have to be creative, innovative to where we can't just say, okay, here's what they want us to do. So here's what we're gonna do. We have to say, we're gonna do what they're gonna do, but or what they want us to do, but also be creative because it's your community and you know your community way better than, than they do because we live in the community, right? They don't, but at the same time, they're making decision, great decisions that's gonna impact the overall association. And it's on each branch to figure out ways to make that decision a little bit better, right? You know, more personalized and, and, and all that. You know, so that's why it's so important for us to know our demographic, you know, know what's in our community, know how to do that, and, and then try to, you know, add more to the table to, to obviously attract our members back. Just to kind of give you a, a, a um, you know, something that we've learned with data throughout the, the, the uh, after the pandemic, 70% of members who have signed back up to the YMCA across the board in our, in our association are totally new members who have never used the Y before. Okay. Wow. So that, that is a, that's the awesome, awesome stats, right? So now you take that number and then you figure, okay, if we can get 70% of our of, of people who have signed up that are new, how do you continue to build on that? But also, how do you get, try to get back the, the members that have used the Y and have dropped off because of the pandemic, you know, whether they didn't feel comfortable coming back to the Y or it was a financial, um, you know, uh, to where they couldn't afford it financially. How do you, you know, um, also get those members back to hope, you know, to build your, your numbers to where it was, you know, way more than what it was before. Because our, our job and our mission and part of our mission as, as a YMCA in the community is every member that you have that, that's a part of the Y, that's a member of the Y, you feel like that's, a, that's one member, that's a member that you are impacting their lives, right? You know, that you're providing service to, to really help them, you, you know, in a way. Because no one no one joined the gym just to join, say, I'm part of this gym, right? They, right. they, they, they join gyms and, and, um, and the Ys, 
you know, to, um, to improve, you know, their lives, you know, so, so for our, our goal is to how, you know, how we can continue to uh, impact more members than we ever have before. Got it. Got it. So uh, have there been any strategies, any key things that stand out for you um, that have made the biggest impact on getting, getting bodies back through the door, uh, whether it's referral programs, uh, events out in the community, advertising, does anything really seem to be a, a home run for you that stands out above and beyond? Well, you know what, the, the, one of the biggest thing is, you know, members want to feel comfortable, right? They want to feel safe. They, they, you know, because of, and, you know, this pandemic has really kind of opened our eyes up to how, you know, we, you know, how we can do things better. You know I mean? One of the first things I remembered when the pandemic came out, you know, it went back to when we were in grade school, right? And they were teaching us how to wash our hands and how long to wash your hands. You saw a commercial about how long to wash your hands for, you know, all those things, right? You know, so, so for us, you know, I think one of the biggest things to, to, to um, track members back to the why um, and make them feel safe is how safe and comfortable you make them feel. You know, we have it to where we'll call members of that have were members before and kind of dropped off because of the pandemic. And one of the things that they say is, hey, I'm not, I'm not comfortable yet. You know, so what we'll do is, is try to invite them in, give them a tour of how things are set up differently, how machines are spaced out more, how the cleaning stations are set up, you know, just different things, making sure that we have people wiping down machines, members, they do a great job wiping down machines before and after they use it, you know, so kind of show them, you know, how, how safe it is and, and make them feel comfortable in a way to where if they feel like when they come back to the Y, they feel that they're in a very safe, safe space uh, to where they can get um, to, to where they can meet their goals and, and, um, and get a good workout in. All right. So we, We've hit the COVID topic and, and that's something that is relevant. It's timely for what we're doing now, but outside of that, um, what other challenges face you specifically as, you know, YMCA branch and maybe more broadly, just as being somebody in the health and wellness community right now, what, what other projects are there to manage or, or hurdles to climb over for you right now um, that you're working on? Well, you know, um, I think, you know, and you can see this across the board is, uh, you know, people are not willing to, um, um, I mean, there's just a shortage on, on staff, right? <laughs> you know, because the, the, the more staff you have, the more you can, you can obviously service more people. You know, I, I'll take camp, for instance. Um, you know, you, you'll find out that, you know, your, people want to get their kids back to camp but you cannot find enough camp workers to work camp. So that's a, that's a really you know, tough um, hurdle for us. Uh, people wanna get back in the pool. You can't find enough um, you know, swim instructors or lifeguards. You know? And I mean, over the, since the pandemic have gone, we've increased, we've increased the amount of money that we pay for, you know, for, for lifeguards, for swim instructors, um, we give out incentive for, you know, just like everybody else, giving out accepted ex, uh, incentives and bonuses for people just to be employed. You know, so that's one of our biggest challenge is just from a staff standpoint, being able to staff 
um, and, and serve to be able to service our community. So that's one of the biggest challenges that we have right now as a, um, as a, as an organization and, and also as a, as a branch, we hoping that we can get more people hired so we can continue to service, you know, and I'm telling you, I mean, we've had branches that, you know, like we talked about, people think about the, the swim at the gym. Well, there's a, there's, there's branches in our association that did not even have swim lessons, right? Because they couldn't find lifeguards and they couldn't find swim instructors, which is, which is sad because one of the, one of the things that we try to do is, is um, teach swim lessons. And when people think about swim lessons, one of the first place they think about is the why, you know, but yet we can, we cannot um, provide as many as we would like because of the fact that, you know, from a staffing standpoint. Yeah, this uh, employment shortage thing is, uh, it's almost been unprecedented in, in the history of the country uh, outside of times of war, basically, you know, mm -hmm. since, um, other than that, it's it's really a, a bugaboo for a lot of people. Um, and, and we do see some people in the industry coming up with some creative ideas, whether it's in-house training programs or going to local colleges and universities and recruiting. Mm -hmm. But of course, everybody starts to get the same ideas. So it it's the same thing. Now there's competition. At least it sounds like above and beyond just looking harder, you're also making yourself more attractive by increasing pay rates and offering different incentives to come for you. So, or, or to come there with you. So uh, kudos to you for not just, not just playing woe is me and hoping that the world will, will come find you. You're going out there and, and then trying to get it and trying to make it, you know, an even more attractive place to be than it already was. Most certainly, most certainly. And again, though, it's, you know, um, if you're, if you're standing still, you're falling behind, right? <laughs> so, so you always have to find ways to um, keep up and stay ahead of things. And, um, you know, and it's good, you know, it's always good to see that. Um, and, and again, you know, like I said, the, the pandemic has created a lot of different opportunities and, and, you know, for, for people. And one of them is, is pay raise across the country, right? No one, no one wants to work for the $10, $12 anymore, you know, because a um, Amazon's paying $15, $18 and Target's paying a lot and all that, you know, so it's, it's, it's um, stepping things up for, for everyone. So as the, as a, as an organization too, we have to be able to do the same. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So I think the last topic we're going to have time for today is, um, you know, I always like to end on on hit, hitting the positives and hitting the high notes uh, from a fulfillment side, from programs, offerings, facility. Um, as you as you staff up, as members come back through the doors, um, what's on the horizon for you? Do you have anything, you know, on your vision board or in your head, things that you want to increase service levels, add value to the members, any big projects there um, or, or big ideas, even if they're not in the project stage of things that you want to do to make yourself an, an even better YMCA branch? Almost certainly, you know, um, part of our, our, our um, goal of the Y is, is a huge word um, that means a lot to, I mean, it's, it's a small word, but a huge to us is collaboration and partnership, okay? So even though we are a gym, partly a gym, but you know what we try to do, like I said before, is service our community. And how do you service that? You know, you partner and you collaborate with different organizations in the community, right? To help, because you're trying to service your entire 
community and, and also the, um, the, the neighboring communities, right? So, so for, for us and for me, it's always being able to provide um, a resource for different organization uh, to be able to partner it up with, with different organizations to accomplish our, our mission and our goal and that's to make our community better. So, so for, for, for me, it's always looking for those opportunities, you know, whether it's homelessness, whether it's, um, you know, swim lessons for, like we do swim lessons for third graders to, to, to help bridge the gap of, of kids drowning, you know, um, you know, whether it's, it's the mental health piece is going to be a huge piece now, you know, coming out of pandemic, how do you provide service for that as well? You know, so we're, there's just so much to get done, right? And and you feel like, man, there's there's a, but you just have to take it one step at a time. Uh, but make sure that what you're doing too is um, impactful, you know, because we never want to run programs to where it's just, you know, in in about a few months it's off to the side. But make sure it's um, intentional, impactful, and it's and it's doing the work of the why, which is you know to uh, improve in lives in in our community. So that's. Kind of our, it's always been a big part of the why is always finding things to get attached to, to, to collaborate with, to where we're making lives in our community much better. Fantastic. Okay, sir, we are just about out of time. Last question I'm going to ask you before we before we wrap up is, um, you've been you've been in coaching, management, leadership for a while, a long while. We should say in various capacities. Um, is there any one guiding principle or lesson, um, something that maybe you could go back and tell a, a younger, newer, you know, greener Lennox that you think would have served you the best, or something that once you realized it, it's really been the thing that's uh, given you the motivation to keep going and the success you've had? Well, you know. Um you always trying to grow um, as, as a leader, right? And, um, and but one of, one of the things that I, I'd say to always do is be yourself and be sincere of what you do. There's, there's all kind of great leaders out there and you can never be them, right? I mean, you, 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 you can take bits and pieces from, from everyone, okay? But at the same time, you know, you just have to be yourself, um, be genuine, genuine about what you do and, and care for people. You know, I mean, that's, you always have to think about people first rather than you think about yourself, you know? So, you know, so for me is just, you know, be, be, be yourself and, and be the best version of yourself, but continue to always, you know, look for ways that you can grow and be a better version of yourself every day. Absolutely. I, I think that's some fantastic words of wisdom and, and you can't, can't really say it enough. It's simple, but boy, is that effective, right? Just find ways to grow, be, grow yourself. You have to know yourself to grow yourself. Most, I, I, don't know most if, I, don't, I don't know if I just made that up, but I like it and it's catchy. And, <laughs> I, uh, I do too. You know, if you want to use it, you, yeah, can, you, you feel free to use that, sir. Right, right. Uh, all right. <laughs> that that is, a, yeah, I was going to say, you see that in a lot of ways too, you know, especially in the coaching world I was at, you know, where coaches try to, do something different than what they're used to. And, and a lot of, most times they fail, you know? Yeah. So just do the things that you know, that you know, and, and do it the best that you can. So, so yeah. Yes, sir. All right, we, we are out of time. Sadly gonna let you go, at least for this go around. I thank you for being here today, sir. I appreciate your time. 
No, appreciate it. And like I said, appreciate the invite and the opportunity to um, talk about our, you know, what we do here at, as, as a YMCA in our communities. Yes, sir. I appreciate it. And to everybody out there listening, as always, we appreciate you. We wouldn't be here without you. Uh, if you found value and inspiration in this episode, we hope you did. If you'd like to hear more, click the subscribe button. We'll notify you new episodes drop. To everyone out there in Jim Lords Nation, keep working hard, keep changing lives. Jim Lords out. Thank you for listening to the podcast so far. Don't go anywhere. We still have another episode coming right up right after this word from one of our sponsors. The Gym Lords podcast is sponsored by Prestige Labs. Prestige Labs is the first and only nutritional supplements company built by gym owners for gym owners. Prestige Labs solves the problem that all gyms have experienced, the broken inventory model, low commissions, and even lower quality products. Prestige Labs provides 100% drop shipping, zero inventory, PhD formulated high quality supplements for you and your clients. The goal is simple, cover 100% of your rent while never sacrificing your integrity. To learn more, or to become an affiliate of Prestige Labs for free, apply at affiliate.prestigelabs.com. That's affiliate.prestigelabs.com. Double your client results, double your income. You can head to affiliate.prestigelabs.com to become an affiliate for free. Now stick around for the rest of this episode. Use coupon code GYMLORDS on prestigelabs.com for 20% off all future supplement orders. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I'll be your host today. My name is Joe Fitzgerald, and joining us on the show is KJ of Boom Performance with two locations down in Fairhope and Daphne, Alabama. KJ, what's going on, man? How are you today? Good, man. I appreciate you having me on. I'm excited to have you on. I'm excited to dive into this, both aspects of, of the business, and there's a lot of moving parts, and, and we'll explore all of the different services that you guys offer. But before we get into the strategies and the tactics and the nitty gritty of how you operate on a daily basis, take us back in time and, and talk about why you started this whole thing in the first place. What made you want to open up these gyms? Um, well, I played sports growing up, you know, I was always kind of in and out of a gym. You know, I remember the first time I stepped into like a high school weight room uh, and I had a coach, his name was Wayne Davis. He was just loud. He was very, very proud of his weight room and his program and whatnot. And, you know, he was one of the first people that made me aware of the capabilities I have physically, you know, and I felt like that helped me out a lot mentally, just, you know, with things that I was dealing with as a child and stuff, it was a good outlet for stress for me and things like that. Um, and so just coming up, I was always in a weight room with a large group of people. I always had my teammates and stuff like that. And and they're with me. And that was just one of my favorite parts of the day, every day, you know, and then I got a little bit older. I went to college and played. I had personal trainers, um, you know, so I got to go in a lot of different types of weight rooms and stuff like that. And I got to see a lot of different training styles and I just really fell in love with it, you know, and I went through some hard times. I got out of school and I came home and I picked up a job at a gym. You know, I was working for another guy in the area. Um, and I just really enjoyed it. I love meeting new people, working with different people at all different ages every day and, and whatnot. You know, I just didn't love kind of the behind the scenes stuff, like the relationship I had with them. And, you know, I just wanted some things to be done a little differently, but obviously it wasn't my place. Right. You know, I didn't own that business, so I couldn't really implement any of that. And so I think that's where, you know, wanting to have my own gym and stuff like that came in for me. 
Yeah. And I think that's a pretty common story in the fitness industry, at least is we were at a facility or in a job somewhere, enjoyed it because we were training and coaching, but knew that we wanted to do it a little bit differently, right? Knew that we could do it in our own way and, and that there was probably a market for it. And so you started all of this up man. fast forward us to today, right? Talk to us a little bit about the service that you're actually providing now. There's a couple of different levels that people can sign up for. What's available if people walk through the door to your gym? Yeah, man. So, you know, overall, our plan for the space, I want to be able to, you know, provide something that anyone can come in and their whole family can benefit from. So, you know, if there's a guy in his 30s that comes in and he's like, you know, I got small kids at home, I got a wife, you know, I want all of them to be able to come in. You know, I have clients, I think my youngest is probably eight right now. Uh, that's actually, you know, paying to come in and consistently coming in. And I think my yep. oldest might be around 74. So we got everything in between. Something we for everybody, right? Yeah, absolutely. We got athletes, you know, we have children. Like I said, we have people that have never played a sport, never been in a weight room before. Um, we have people that have severe injuries and stuff like that, or maybe we're doing a different style of training and got hurt and needed to change a pace or whatever. So, you know, that's kind of been my drive behind that, you know, and we have different options for the size of the group that you can be with. You can do private, which is obviously one-on-one -on -one, uh, or two-on-one. We do semi-privates, which is no more than five people in the room. And then we do group training, which we cap at 15. Um, and, and even with the group training, you know, we offer customized or modified programs for people that have things like, you know, injuries and stuff like that, that I mentioned earlier. Yeah. Um, and, and so, like we said, a lot of different ways that people can get involved in the business and a number of different services that you guys provide under this boom performance umbrella. So we can wrap our head around the scale of this. How many people do you guys serve? How many members or how many clients do you have? Right now, I think we have about 140 contracted clients you know and and we have people that come in and drop in from time to time obviously during the spring and the summer you know it's busier than maybe during the fall um and things like that you know people down here travel a lot you know we have a lot of kind of high income families and stuff like that in the area that like to travel out of the country and things of that nature so um it kind of fluctuates just depending on the time of year but we're getting into the spring right now and that's typically the busiest time spring and then summer and then the end of fall Got it. Okay. And so 140 is, is what you mentioned. Is that a number that you guys are looking to grow? Can you handle more than 140? Uh, yeah, we can definitely handle it. You know, obviously there's, there's always room for growth as far as like organization um, and, you know, implementing a standard and whatnot. And that's kind of what I'm learning right now as a young business owner um, it's just, you know, I want to implement standards and whatnot for the clients and for employees and for myself. You know, I want to be super organized with, with planning and programming and stuff like that. And quality is a huge thing. And so when you get into having that many people, you know, it's beneficial to have help. You know, you want to bring in more trainers and whatnot. But kind of like what you were saying earlier, you know, people work at gyms and they want to do it their own way or they have ideas or whatever. And so you know, it's funny in this industry because if you bring in a really good trainer, you know, and they're, they work hard and they have high integrity, they really should be doing it for themselves. And so it's hard to find someone that can commit to doing that with you, you know, and then bring your different ideas together, if that makes sense, to combine mm -hmm. into one that's consistent and beneficial for 140 other people, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. 
And, and I mean, it, it's, it's inevitable that when we talk about growth in the industry, like to your point, it's a little bit seasonal. We have fluctuations up and down. So can we take on new people? Yeah, of course, provided that we can get them in at, at proper times. Now, I want to pick your brain on how we get people in the doors in the first place, right? We talk about marketing. There are any number of ways that we can market a business in this sort of space. How have you guys found success in getting people in through the doors in the first place? Uh, so originally, you know, I, I come up in a time where like Instagram was created. Like I think Instagram started my freshman year of college. And so I was playing football at Buffalo in New York. It's a pretty big school. And, you know, I had a lot of followers from there on my Instagram. I had a lot of followers from home and I lived in a couple of different cities. So everywhere I went, you know, I collected followers on Instagram and it was just perfect timing because whenever I started, you know, training people and whatnot, I would put it on my Instagram story or something like that. And I would get a lot of viewers and stuff. And that's where I would get a lot of interaction. So kind of like word of mouth, but with social media, you know, and um, Fairhope and Daphne are both pretty small towns. They're neighboring towns. So everyone around here is pretty much connected in some kind of way. Um, and so the biggest thing is just, the, the marketing side of it, Instagram, wearing t-shirts, whatever, you know, and then giving those people good quality when they come in and then they're going to go home and tell the friends, yeah. or they'll go and tell whoever, or if they wear a shirt, someone's going to ask them about it um, and, and things like that. So that's super simplistic, I feel like, but it works, you know, it's really. Yeah, fun. no, that's an important point that we have to touch on is like, you could have the, the world's best marketing system ever. But if your product isn't worth anything, if people don't enjoy actually coming to the studio, then like they're going to notice and they're going to leave you guys. I mean, you talk about focusing on Instagram and, and that's huge because for people in our age demographic, that's where they go, right? They go to Google, they go to Facebook, they go to Instagram to find gyms or to find other places that they can go in this sort of service. And so you use Instagram. It sounds like we're putting out content. It sounds like we're getting the logo and the brand out there. Have you utilized the paid side of Instagram at all? Yeah, we've done some promotions um, at times. Like if we're doing a promo, if we do like a Mardi Gras promo or like New Year's, you know, we did like if you pay up front, you get 25% off your overall contract or whatever. So when we do stuff like that, we'll promote it. You know, it's like $10 a day or something like that. And that has been super effective as well. And, um, you know, also I'll do videos like a demonstrational video. So I'll just explain a simple exercise, like a squat or RDL, whatever. And I'll talk about it for a second, demonstrate it. And then it'll be like a very short, like 30 second clip, you know, and sometimes I'll promote those and pitch it to 30,000 people in the area or whatever. And I mean, in my opinion, if you get one or two people that respond to it or come and sign up or at least try it out once, then it's worth it. You know what I mean? And so we do at times, I, you know, we, I'd like to be a little more organized with that again. Uh, you yeah, know, that was going to be my next question is like, if it's gone so well, are you guys planning on on utilizing that more now as the business matures a little bit? Yeah, definitely would like to. It's just, you know, I don't want to kind of flood the market with it. You know what I mean? It's I think I've learned with, with Instagram and stuff like that, that kind of every day is good, but people get so used to seeing it every day that they kind of just scroll past it, you know? So you want to get something that's going to catch their attention that they're interested in and that, that they don't see every single day of the week, you know, and there's obviously so many, you know, fitness influencers and gyms and all kinds of stuff, you know, in the fitness world these days on Instagram. And so it's, it's, 
it's good to try to be different, but also you don't want to be too different and not be effective. You know, some things yeah. are going to work forever. So um, you just got to find that balance. Yeah, that's a good point. And, and I mean, obviously just getting them through the doors is the first step until we can get them to actually sign up and, and get on some sort of contract or some sort of paid membership. It doesn't really mean anything. So walk me through a typical sales process for you guys with this business. Once the lead comes through the doors, what happens in between then and them converting into some sort of paid option? Well, a lot of times, you know, I have my email and everything. My phone number is all over social media and stuff like that. So a lot of people will either call or text or email, you know, and they'll ask for what the pricing options are. And we have several options for pricing. We break it down. You can pay by the class. You can pay by the month. You can do a three-month contract, six-month contract, or 12-month. It's cheaper the longer you commit, um, which is, you know, we make it that way because it's mutually beneficial. I'd like to be able to spend my time with people that are committed long-term and that way we get more results. You know what I mean? And it's a mutual thing. They're committed to us. We're committed to them. Uh, but from that initial conversation, I pretty much will just ask them what time of day is convenient for them, what type of workout they're looking for. Some people are totally against groups. They only want privates. Some people don't want to pay for privates. They only want groups, you know, so, and then we got people everywhere in between. And so we just figure out which type of class it is that works for them what time of day and what day of the week works for them. And then I'll just tell them to come in and, you know, we'll talk about the rest from there. Yep. And so once they get there, you know, I try to just allow them to have the experience without really talking a whole lot about it. You know, I, I'll ask them if they have injuries or whatever, you know, we'll go through like a small eval, you know, they'll go through their workout, kind of see how they move, what they need, give them that feedback, you know, during the workout and after, and then, you know, ask them from there, what would you like to do next? Would you like to keep coming? you want to try to drop in again or whatever. Obviously I want to persuade people to sign up for a year, you know, and that way, you know, we're committed to each other. Like I said earlier, we can spend more time. You give me more time to program for you. You give yourself more time to get results. You know, a lot of people think that, you know, they want results in four weeks or eight weeks and yeah. it's not always going to be that way, you know, and results aren't always physical either. You know, you might not always see that, result but like if you're if you're getting better heart health you're dropping your cholesterol or whatever you know there's there's all kinds of wins and so yeah. I think the longer you commit to it you know the more beneficial it is mutually. yeah it's it's interesting because obviously if we're genuinely trying to help the person sitting across from us we know it's going to take a little bit longer than a month or two months we know that these things are true but that can be a more challenging sale right that's why we've seen 21 days, month, month long trials, six week challenges, whatever they are. And, and they have their purpose and they have their place. But we know that if somebody's got a pretty decent goal, it's going to take a little bit longer. And so you focus on how can I get this person in long term so that we can really, really make some progress. I think that's huge. KJ, and with, with what you're saying, though, as far as like the six week challenges and whatnot, a lot of times when people have those, you know, they're going to extreme measures over those six weeks as far as like dieting or exercise. And so I, we want to try to provide something that's sustainable. You know what I mean? And so, like, obviously, yeah, you know, we want to hit the ground running, but I want to give you something where at least when you leave, you, you've learned something. And like if you go to another gym. If you go to working out on your own, if you have someone at home that doesn't want to go to a gym or whatever, you can take what you've experienced with us 
and go home with it. It's something that yep. you can always return to. It's just kind of foundational, you know, as opposed to something that's like really quick. You know, a lot of times I've found that when people are doing six week programs or whatever, it's kind of for like a flux of cash or, you know, kind of just to bring attention to um, their brand. And obviously, you know, we want to pay the bills, but, you know, we are just as geared or uh, driven by results. You know what I mean? So, yeah, no, that's, that's tremendous. And it needs to be that balance, right? It needs to be, how can we get people through the doors effectively and profitably? Of course, this is a business at the end of the day, and, and we need right. to be concerned about money in versus money out. But how are we delivering a product that we can stand behind and have conviction in? That's really, really huge. And so, I mean, this whole conversation is, is talking about how do we grow, right? Yeah. What is growth? How do we either get more people or how do we serve the people that we have more? How do we keep the people we have longer? And so for you, looking forward, what's, what's the bigger goal? What's the long-term vision for you with this business? Um, long-term for me, like I always visualize it as a place where there's several trainers that come in and out, you know, and um, obviously I would like to have multiple locations. I would like to try to franchise it out. We live in Baldwin County, and so ideally I'd like to have a gym, you know, in as many cities in this county as possible. You know, and, and that kind of the issue with that, or I guess the struggle with it, the conflict, may I don't know what term you use. I don't want to sound ugly, but, you know, it's having help and bringing employees in. And, you know, it's really it's super it's a competitive industry around here. It is in a lot of places, but I can say that from experience in this area. Um, and it's really hard to find people with work ethic for one um, and then that you can trust, you know, for two, because, again, if you're really good at it, you benefit the most from doing it for yourself. Not everyone has that drive to work for themselves, but that is the most benefit of it. And so a lot of times you run into situations where people kind of would rather be doing their own thing or maybe they're around just so they can kind of create a platform for themselves to do it elsewhere. Um, and so it's really hard to find that medium between, uh, you know, having them really dive in headfirst for you and giving them the incentive to want to be there around for you and whatnot. You know what I'm saying? Especially when it comes down to philosophies and, and things of that nature. And so we've kind of, I've brought in a few different trainers, you know, and, and it's not worked out more than it has, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so it's just, you know, it's, it's a process. I think that's been probably my biggest challenge in having gyms is finding employees or other trainers that, you know, high integrity that you can trust to maintain the same quality when you're not in the room or, yeah. you know, to walk around and, you know, obviously it's a lifestyle thing too. So everything I do outside of the gym, walking around town or whatever is going to reflect on the gym and whatnot. And so it's yeah. just, you got to find people that are going to keep hold your business to the same standard that you're holding. And that it's very rare to find that. I, I make the analogy all the time of like, if you're like raising a kid, like nobody's going to care about your kid as much as you care about your kid, but we need to find people who really, really have the passion and want to be there so that we're feeling comfortable when the time comes for us to hand that off. When we can't be around, how yeah. can I trust this person if they don't care about it? And, and the answer is you can't, right? Yeah. yeah. yeah and, and I do have a trainer. Her name is Sarah Flaherty. She's awesome. She's been training for longer than I have. Um, you know, she's got a ton of experience. She has a, she is a brand, you know, she just, 
hasn't started her own. And that's kind of worked to my benefit selfishly just because she's agreed to come in and help me out. And we've gone through some of these tough times, you know, that we're talking about where she has a philosophy. I have one. She has a routine. I have one. And we're having to find a medium. And I'm extremely grateful to her for being, for one, a professional, you know, and handling that. She's a bona fide professional. And we've had very difficult conversations. But, you know, we've always had a high level of respect for each other and understanding. Um, and I think, you know, we've worked through a lot of that stuff. And it's, it's been really good. And we have a really good, you know, feel right now and vibe and community. I think our clients really love it. You know, we, we can be in the room and training and Sarah can be telling someone something and I can come right behind her and say something else to that person. And it's not a conflict. You know what I mean? It's like a, it's a beneficial, like we're together, you know, and we're yeah. trying to learn each other's terminologies and whatnot. We're close to a year now. So um, I'm just extremely grateful to her. And I wish that there was 10 more Sarah. Yeah, we got to find can, more Sarah's. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, that I could hire or, or bring in or whatever. And, you know, when you training is really hard, you know, a lot of people I feel like I've met could be really great trainers. They just struggle to get clients. You know what I mean? Um, and so that's something that's difficult. The overhead, like I was saying, real estate in the area and stuff like that's really hard. Equipment's super expensive, especially now after COVID and everything. And so I am trying to put myself in a situation where I can provide the, the, these things to someone and give them a solid platform to where they can just grow and, you know, open their wings and fly and not have to worry about all the, the other stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, I hear you, man. And, and this is, this is a really, really useful conversation. I find that the more often business owners can have these kinds of conversations, the more their thoughts get turned in and the better the whole industry does in general. And so as we start to, to wrap this interview up, I want to give you the chance to, to shout out some social media or a website or where people can go to find out a little bit more about this. Where are those resources at? Yeah, absolutely. So our website is an app. We have a boom, it's boomperformance.net. Um, and we have an app. We actually are still in the process of creating that app, but it is live in the Google store and Apple in the app store, Apple app store. Um, it's just boom performance. You can type that in. Instagram is KJ the coach, K-J-T-H-E-C-O-A-H-C-O-A-C-H. I'm sorry. Uh, I have a Facebook, Boom Performance. Um, we have a YouTube channel, Boom Performance. So pretty much any platform you can type in Boom Performance and it'll come up. Sarah's Instagram is Sarah the coach. So it's S-A-R-A-T-H-E-C-O-A-C-H. So, you know, we're kind of, that's part of our brand and something that we're trying to get uniform is just, you know, having similar Instagram names and stuff like that. Um, and, and Sarah was an athlete in college. I was an athlete in college. So it's kind of fun to, you know, do videos with, you know, unorthodox exercises and stuff like that to try to grab people's attention and whatnot. But yeah, um, I think that covers all the platform. The Instagram. Yeah. The no, that's perfect. And, and KJ, man, I, I really appreciate your time and, and your contribution here. And, and this is exciting. We'll have to see where this business takes you. We'll have to get you back yeah. on for another interview yeah. down the line. All right. Appreciate you having me, man. Hell yeah. Thank you. And so to everyone who tuned in today, thank you as well. Don't forget, if you want to be notified about future episodes, hit like and subscribe. If you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model within the industry, click the link in the description, fill it out. Our team will be in touch with you soon. And as always, until next time, Jim Lord's out. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this content valuable, here's four ways we can help you grow your gym for free. One, grab a free copy of Alex Ramosi's best-selling book, Gym Launch Secrets at alexsbook.com. 
Two, join our free Facebook group at alexsgroup.com. Three, if you're a gym owner, you can apply to be on the podcast by emailing us at podcast at gymlaunch.com. Four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more gym owners and bring those lessons back to you. And as always, tap that button and subscribe to this podcast for more.